So we're going through uh, our sermon series on Christ-centered relationships, right? And I think when, we, when it comes to relationships, um, friendships are always kind of the, the lost brother, right? It's almost like the, the one that we kind of put at the end a little bit, the one that we don't really remember as much. I mean, can I, can I take a poll? How many of you have read a book on marriage? Raise your hand. Okay, not, not too many. I guess some of you. How many of you have read a book on parenting? Yeah, some, right? How many of you have read a book on friendship? Yeah, Michelle, maybe one, one person, right? Two people, two people, maybe, right? But there's not very many. I think a lot of us have taken classes on marriages. A lot of us have taken seminars on parenting. But when was the last time you took a class dedicated to friendship? You know, I was thinking about it, and I was wondering, man, how cool would it be that, like we have premarital counseling, if we had, like, pre-friendship counseling, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you, if you, if you thought about somebody, you're like, oh, maybe I'm going to be friends with him or her, and, and as time goes on, you, you really do want to commit to be friends, so you take a pre-friendship class, and so we kind of, like, join you together as friends. I, I think that would be kind of cool. Who knows? You know, maybe, maybe one day. Um, that sounds weird, but I, I think it's also kind of intriguing because for us, I think innately almost, within our culture and, and especially within the Bible, we understand that friendships are very, very important. We feel that. You know, some of our greatest joys in life are with our friends. I think that we can all attest to the fact that we can go to a really terrible or really, you know, dingy or, or whatever place, and yet if we have our best friends there, if we have some of the closest friends there, we are going to have a blast, right? Friends are able to make bad things good. And yet, on the flip side, what we also know is that some of our greatest sorrows in life, some of the greatest hardships that we experience are friends that we have poured into, friends that we have invested in, friends that we have been so vulnerable to, and yet they betray us. They hurt us. They cut us deep. I know that a lot of us have seen people who had so much potential, who had so much going for them, and yet what happens is that they meet a bad group of friends. And all of that potential, all of that goodness that they could have produced, man, it, it goes in the other direction. It ends up destroying their lives. Friends are able to make good things bad. You see, when we talk about this, this topic of friendship, we're going to be basing it on the book of Proverbs. And one of the reasons why is because, man, to, to be friends and to make really good friends is not just something that is going to happen naturally. It's not going to happen just, you know, you, you just fall into friendship and then everything is going to be great and, and gravy as, as time goes on. No, it requires wisdom. It requires a lot of wisdom to be really great biblical friends with another person. You see, in the book of Proverbs, friendship is actually one of the main themes that it talks about. And it talks about how to choose good friends and how to be a good friend. 
Now, what we want to do today is something pretty simple. I just want to look at three things. It's three things that the book of Proverbs says about friendship. First is that friendship can be better than family. Second is that friendship is constant. And third is that friendship requires vulnerability. Okay? Now, what do I mean when I say that friendship can be better than family? Let me read to you Proverbs 18:24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, one of the main things that the Bible talks about is that there are different types of relationships that you can have, but when it comes to friends, friends are a particular type of friendship where they commit to you voluntarily. There is nothing mandatory about someone being friends with another person, right? That mandatory thing, that ends when you're a kid and your parent says, hey, I want you to be friends with him. When you're an adult, that doesn't happen anymore. You only become friends with people that you desire to be friends with. There's nothing, there's nothing in this world that commits you to be a friend with another person except your desire for them. When it says a friend sticks closer than a brother, that sticking together is a Hebrew word that means to join together or to cleave together. You see, it's a word that means commitment. That is a friend who is committed closer than a brother. And that's different than family. And the reason that's different than family is because for a family, you are born into that family. You don't have a choice in the matter. Some people love the family that they're born in, and yet others, not really that much. There's people who love their brothers, love their sisters, love their parents, and yet there's other people I know who if they met their siblings outside on the street as a stranger, they would never in a million years be friends with them. However, you will stick with them. You will love them. Not for any other reason, but because they are family. You don't get a choice in the matter. Even if you don't like your family, you will stick with them because they're your family. However, when it comes to friendship, you are completely free to choose who you want to be friends with. And that's why in biblical times, this idea of friendship was actually held as one of the greatest forms of love that you could ever have. Because back then, people understood this truth that when it comes to family, they will stick with you even if they don't want to. And that's because they're your family. And they said even for romantic love, even for that Eros type of love, to a degree, it's something that's just put on you. You know, that's why they say you fall in love. You don't, you don't climb to love. A friend is someone that has chosen you and that you have chosen. You're not forced into friendship, but it is something that once you have, you are working on and you are maintaining. And that's why friendship, it can be so much better than family. It's because they are people that they could have chosen anybody else, that they could be with anybody else, and yet your friends are your friends because they choose to be there. Your friends are your friends because they desire to invest within your life. What a blessing to think that way. 
What a blessing to understand that your closest friends are there because they just simply love you. Not for any other reason, not because they were born into that position, not because they had chains chaining them to you, but simply because they love you. That's a great idea. You know, in our generation, we take friendship really lightly. And, and we take friendship really lightly when I believe it was never meant to be that way. Friends, they can make or break you, and yet what's happened in our culture is that we tend to think of everybody as friends. And when we think of everybody as friends, no one is really our friend. And so we have a million Facebook friends, and yet are they really people that we are willing to invest into? Are they people that we are really committed to? Are they really people that we are willing to love and care for? These people, they can and will define your life, sometimes more than family. Do we understand the significance of that? Do we really understand the biblical implications of when we say, this person is my friend, this person is someone who I really care for? Psychologists say that family define your childhood, but your friends define your adulthood. There's a famous saying by poet John Donne uh, who says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The people in your life that you consider your friends have a real and lasting impact in your life. Friends can be better than your family. And so if that's true, what does the Bible say about being a good friend? Let me read to you Proverbs 18.24 one more time. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, one of the qualifications, one of the characteristics of a good friend is that you are constant. You are constant. You see, this verse says, a friend loves at all times. When we read that, it can, seem, it can seem kind of confusing. Does that mean that a friend is somebody who is just always with you 24-7? No, no, of course not. Because sometimes you have friends who you are really, truly, biblically close with, and yet there's seasons of their lives, seasons of your life, where you guys are on opposite sides of the world, where you're on opposite sides of the country, and you're not able to really be in communion with each other. When it says that a friend loves at all times, it means that a true friend will love you in all kinds of times. In good times, in bad times, in ordinary times, and in extraordinary times. It means that a friend will be committed to loving you and caring for you even when things get so, so difficult. They are willing to share the burden with you. They're willing to carve out time in their lives to be with you. They're willing to take time out knowing that you are depressed, knowing that you are sad, knowing that you are struggling and praying for you. There's a sacrifice there that friends are willing to give you that others may not. Acquaintances are people who will stay with you when things are good, but will leave you when things are bad. Friends are people who will stay with you when things are good, but they will stick even closer to you when things are bad. 
You see, a friend will not let you go down by yourself, but will lift you up, will encourage you, will discipline you, will continue to do those things. Proverbs 19.4 says, Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. If you're a friend with someone because they're useful to you, then, church, I'm going to tell you, you're not a real friend. If you're friends with someone because they're popular or because they're smart or because they're rich, then your friendship will not last and you will desert them when things get bad. When your friendship is based upon things that you can get from somebody, you better be careful because when things get really difficult, you're going to look around and realize that you are by yourself. What's important is that you find friends who are willing to invest in you for who you are, not for what you can give them. It's people who will desire to love you simply because of who you are and willing to to choose you because they just want to be friends and grow with you in Christ. And when you're able to find those types of people, hold on to them, invest in them, care for them, because those are the people that in times of hardship will stick with you closer than your own family. There's this book uh, about Billy Graham called The Preacher and the President. And what this book is about is, is about Billy Graham's entire life and his unique position in that he was uh, a spiritual leader for so long. And so what that means is that when he was in ministry, as he was preaching and teaching, he was also the main spiritual advisor for many U.S. presidents. He was the spiritual advisor for almost over 50 years. And so what the book talks about was kind of an insider perspective on his relationship with all of these different presidents that would come in and out. And what was interesting is that all of these presidents, they would say one thing about Billy Graham. And they would say it over and over again. And they would say, man, I love Billy Graham because he is not interested in getting anything from me. They would say that again and again. Because for these presidents, as they rose up in their ranks, and especially when they got elected president, one thing that people would come to every single time is that they would try to grab something from them, try to grab favor, try to grab some promises, try to grab something from them constantly. So they were always surrounded by those types of people. And yet for Billy Graham, all he wanted to do was give. He never once during his 50-year reign, or 50 years of being with those presidents, ever asked for anything. Instead, he poured out constantly to them. Church, make sure you love your friends for who they are, not for what they can give you. Money is the example that we read here, but there are so many ways that you can use people. That can be popularity, that can be networking, that that can be connections. And if you're using your friends for those purposes, sooner or later, difficult times will come, and those are the times when your relationship is going to be tested and you guys will go separate ways. Look, there's nothing wrong with networking. There's nothing wrong with connecting to people in order to maybe see if there's other people there too. The the question is, are you basing your friendship on those things? If you're basing your friendship upon things that you can get from the other person, man, the Bible says you are 
you are ruining your relationship with them. You are not a true friend to them, and you need to be careful. Friends are constant through the good times and the bad. And third, friends are vulnerable with one another. Proverbs 25.20 says, Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Now, when we read this verse, I think a lot of us can misunderstand because when we read it, it says, Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart, and that sounds kind of nice, right? Because you want to sing songs. But what it's actually saying is that there are people who are going through difficult times, and yet there are other people who are able to rejoice and have a good time without even thinking about this other person who is going through such a terrible time. They're saying that there are people who are joyful when you're sad, and when you're sad, they're joyful. Is that in your, in your happiness, they're sad, and yet when you're sad, they're able to have such a good time. And the Bible is saying those people are not friends because true friends have an emotional connection to you. True friends are people who are emotionally invested in you to the point where your joy is their joy and your sadness is their sadness. Where they desire you to succeed. Where they desire for you to do well. And they're praying for that. When a friend is jealous over that and they say, no, 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 I want this person to fail in order so, so that I can succeed, there is no way that that person is a true biblical friend. You know, Tim Keller, he gave this illustration and he said, he was talking about parenting. He said, here's the essence of parenting. Once you start to have children, you realize for the rest of your life that you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. Why is that? Because as parents, he said, you are emotionally connected and vulnerable to your child. You give everything to them. You desire, you want their success so much. You want their joy so much. And so for them, you are not able to sing songs of joy when they're going through hardship. You're not able to sing songs of joy when their hearts are heavy. Their sadness is your sadness. Their joy is your joy. And so what you do is you pray for their success. You desire for them to grow. You want them to succeed. That's what a true friend is. And that's why friends are able to stick with you through difficult times. It's because they're willing to share the burden with you. For acquaintances, do you realize how when, they're, when you're going through a good time, they'll stick with you? But when, they're, when you're going through a bad time, Man, they're able to rejoice and have a good time, and so they're not going to stick with you. They're going to run away. Look for true friends who are willing to stick with you through the difficult times. And church, do you see the amazing thing about friendship? Is that with parenting, there is a connection that you have the minute your child is born, and yet with friendship, is that you're giving that type of commitment to your friend voluntarily. You are committing to them and saying, my joys are your joys, my sadness is your sadness, and I'm committing to that. I'm willing to invest in you that way. Man, it's a good thing. However, this type of vulnerability means that true friends are also given a great responsibility. 
And it's that we are meant to speak truthfully into our friends' lives, even when it hurts. Let me read to you Proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You see, when you're friends with somebody, your joys will be their joys and, and their sorrows will be your sorrows because you're emotionally connected to them. But at the same time, because you are emotionally invested in them, if they're going in the wrong direction, it is your call and it is your responsibility to talk to them and to correct them. If they're going where you know that there's destruction, where there's difficulty, where you know that they're going away from Christ, it is your call as a true friend to rebuke them and to speak words of truth into them in order to bring them back. Sometimes you have to wound them in order to heal them. Sometimes you have to bring pain in order to restore. The Greek word for restore is a word that means putting a dislocated bone back in its place. The, the interesting thing about that word is that when you do bring a dislocated bone back into its place, there is so much pain that goes along with that. You are pushing that in and there's gonna be sharp, sharp pain. And yet, you're able to restore them because it brings it back to its natural order where it's supposed to be. When you speak to your friends, and when you're speaking truth into their lives, you're putting a dislocated bone back in its place. You're meant to heal them. You're meant to put everything back where it's supposed to be. And there's going to be pain in the beginning, but don't think about the beginning. Don't think about the short term. Look at the long term. Look at where you are helping them to go. And think about the word restore as putting a dislocated bone back into the right place. There's another proverb that says, flattering your friend is like, is like when you put a, a net under them. In other words, what, when you are speaking to a friend and you're not correcting them, if you're not guiding them, if you're letting them just go in the direction that, they're, that they want to go in and you're only kind of flattering them in that way, then you are setting them up for a life of disaster. You are not giving them the full picture that you have, and you are setting them into a bear trap that they can't see themselves. Church, this is the balance between truth and love that friends are to have for one another. And that's why it's so important for you to just love your friends and to care for them. That's why in this, past, this, this verse is interesting because it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. When it says profuse are the kisses of an enemy, an image that should, bring, that should come up in our minds is Judas kissing Jesus. Judas kissed Jesus when he was betraying him. And the reason Judas betrays Jesus was because simply he cared more about himself than he did Jesus. He cared more about his own well-being, about his own financial security, about his own self, more than he cared about Jesus' well-being. For a lot of us, the reason that we don't speak into other people's lives, the reasons that we allow friends to go in the direction that we know is wrong is because we try to say to ourselves, man, I don't want to get you know, too involved in that person's life. I love them too much to really say too much. 
But what the Bible is telling us is that the reason we're not willing to get invested is because maybe you care more about your own well-being than you do the well-being of your friend. So be careful about that. Don't make excuses. I want you to look into your own heart and really decipher the reason why you aren't saying the things that you should be saying to your friends. God has given you a great responsibility. God has given you friends here that you're able to pour into, that you're able to love and who are willing to stick by your side. Are you willing to speak truth into their lives when it's needed? You are emotionally connected to your friends so that their joys are your joys and their sorrows are your sorrows. But it's also clear in the Bible that you are meant to speak truth knowing that you are wounding them in order to heal them, okay? So church, these are the three parts of biblical friendship that we see in Proverbs. Friends can be better than family. Friends are constant and friendship is vulnerable. But most importantly, church, as you think about friendship, remember that if you are a Christian, your greatest friend is Jesus Christ. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his, friend, lay down his life for his friends. Jesus, he calls us his friends. And the, the great thing is he doesn't need us. He doesn't, he doesn't ask he doesn't use us for anything. He desires to have joy in him, and he laid down his life for us. Our friend Jesus, man, he's, he's someone who is slow to anger. He's gentle and he's kind, and he will restore us when we are broken. And he is unlike any other friend because he doesn't just make us better, man. He makes us new. He makes us a new creation. Church, I think before we end, I just want to say one kind of suggestion. And the suggestion is this. I know that for a lot of us, uh, we have many friends within uh, our family circles, within our friend circles, uh, within our uh, work circles, within our church circles, within our school circles. Um, but my suggestion is that if you have a friendship that needs to be repaired, now is the time to do it. Now is the time to do it. Don't wait any longer. If you've done something wrong, or if you have been wronged, now is the time to lay down your pride. Now is the time to repair your relationship, man. I think the beauty of Jesus Christ and the beauty of the church is that, man, we are called to be unified. We are called just to come together as one body, to lay down our desires and our wants and just look upon Jesus Christ. And this is just a great time for you to look upon your friendships and see friendships that need to be repaired and go to them and just ask for forgiveness and ask that you guys be one again. And if you are struggling with forgiving, and if you are struggling because your friendship, there's just, there's just so much messiness there, I just want to gently remind you that you've probably lost focus of your friendship. Christ-centered friendships are not meant to be about you. It's not meant to be about them. It's meant to be about Jesus and what he's done for you. 
Remember all that Jesus Christ has done for you. Remember how good God is. Remember all the blessings that he's given you. Stop focusing on one another and realize what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Your friends are important. They can bring good from bad. They can bring bad from good. But no matter what, look first to your greatest friend in Jesus Christ and be at peace knowing all that he has done for you. Amen? Let's pray.